The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you after yet again another Chicago Bears loss, another ugly Chicago Bears loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, 22 to 14. We've got plenty to discuss on the podcast today, and we are going to be joined by none other than Patrick Manley, former Bears long snapper, longtime Bears long snapper, score analyst. You see him all over the place in Chicago. Excited to have him on. We're going to talk a little bit about hash mark gate, whatever you want to call it, with the Eddie Pinheiro field goal against the Chargers. But for the most part, I just want to tap into him about this Chicago Bears team. We'll get into Trubisky. We'll get into Nagy. I also kind of want to talk about a locker room vibe when a quarterback is not performing. Patrick's been around a long time, has seen a variety of skilled quarterbacks at the position, some good and a lot not so good. So I want to kind of tap into that and kind of get in the mindset of what the Bears' other 52 guys might be feeling right now. Because let's just dive right into it, because it's tough to discuss this Chicago Bears team in a hole when everything needs to be focused on the offense, the anemic offense, Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy. And it's been an argument on Bears Twitter and on, on local radio and, and everything about the basically chicken or egg. What's the number one problem here? Is it Nagy's play calling that's affecting Trubisky or is it Trubisky's poor play that's affecting Nagy? Now, both are true to an extent. You can't just say 100% of the blame is one way or the other, although some people really want to go down that road. But for me, and I've said this before, this isn't exactly groundbreaking, this is mostly on Mitch Trubisky. I'm giving Matt Nagy a pass. Matt Nagy, and we talked about this a lot last week, the flaws in, in how he runs the football, a little bit on what he does in the red zone. There's issues with, with Matt Nagy, and I, I'm not going to disagree with that. But... Matt Nagy is so handcuffed by the quarterback play right now, and I believe that the offensive struggles, not not necessarily at the beginning of the year, but what we're seeing now and some of the other players not performing as well, a lot of that is trickling down from the quarterback play. And I'll be honest, I think a lot of the defensive woes are mental. I think a lot of the issues are that this defense 
is dejected you know they're 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 broken mentally about how poor this offense is playing like let's be honest here with this eagles game we did not see the best chicago bears defense but what happened this team falls behind by what three scores and what happens the bears offense shows a little life and that defense for that quarter and a half in in the in the second half until the obviously that was an awful drive that they allowed at the end of the game to to put the game away but they played with a little urgency with a little extra effort there was there was just that little extra from this bears defense that that is missing a lot and i honestly think it was like all right this offense is showing a little life let's get out there let's get this offense back out on the field and you saw this defense play better for three or four possessions in a row they were three and out maybe the eagles got one first down i don't have the numbers in front of me but that was a much better defense and then what happens The Bears have a terrible drive where they should be in position to try and tie the game up or get close, and the Bears' defense went flat again. It's... It's got to be frustrating for the other 52 guys. It really has to be. That's why I want to talk to Patrick Manley about that a little bit. But now let me focus on, on Trubisky and Nagy here, because I'm seeing a lot of excuses made for Mitch Trubisky that you just don't make for any other quarterback. For example... We, we've heard this for the longest time. He's only got 13 starts. He's going to be further behind because of the 13 starts in college. He's going to be further behind all these other NFL quarterback prospects. Well, then what are we saying about Kyler Murray, who had 14 starts? We're going to say, oh, well, that was Oklahoma and he was at North Carolina. Like, there's always an excuse. Always an excuse for Mitch Trubisky. And I supported this kid. I was excited for this kid. There were a lot of people that had Mitch Trubisky as QB1 when he was coming out of college. I finally thought the Bears were going to have a good quarterback. I don't know if he was ever going to be elite top five, but I really thought he was going to be productive at the position. And I saw enough last year that I really thought this guy was growing into the position. And we've seen all time levels of regression. I can't Blake Bortles. You know, he was like 35 and 17. It was maybe about 42, 4,300 yards passing his second year, and he obviously collapsed. That's that's kind of what we're looking at here. We I have not seen a quarterback show as much promise and go backwards as much. So the Trubisky supporters are going to say play calling, play calling, play calling. Now, here's the problem with that. There's only so much Matt Nagy can do. The play comes in from the sidelines, but you know, when, at the line of scrimmage before the play's called, there's a little bit of chess going on. Offense puts their formation out there. Defense reacts to it. Offense has a chance to make any adjustments. Play runs. Like we, we this isn't groundbreaking. You all know this, but there's no adjustment on the offense. Now I've seen arguments. I see it on both sides here. But you've got NFL players, NFL offensive linemen. Daniel Jeremiah put out an Eagles defense where they heavily loaded the the left side of the Bears offense, where the Bears were outnumbered. There were not enough blockers coming on the left side. So what happens? No adjustments are made after the Eagles shifted and created that, that 
that unbalanced defense. No adjustments were made. James Daniels is standing there staring at nobody because he's got nobody to block. And people want to be like, well, James Daniels is the center. He needs to make that adjustment. Here's the problem. James Daniels' head is between his legs. He's looking back at Trubisky. He's not looking up anymore. He's in his position. He can't make the call. Trubisky needs to see it and change the offensive line's assignments. But he doesn't do that. He snaps the ball, and there you go, sack because there weren't enough blockers on the left side. So, and look, Jeff Schwartz, TJ Lang, they put it on Trubisky. Owen Krutz tries to defend Trubisky, says it's on the offensive line. So you're gonna see it on both sides. Another play, Sage Rosenfels criticizes Matt Nagy and not Trubisky. Goal line play, it was a run up the middle to Tariq Cohen against the Eagles, if you remember that one. Now look, I'll admit, I don't like the idea of Tariq Cohen being on the goal line at the one-yard line. I'd much rather see David Montgomery out there. However, the play design, he spreads three wide receivers way out to the sidelines. The idea here is clearly spread the Eagles' defense out and see if Tariq Cohen can find a little hole to squirt through. You're only talking about a yard to get in the end zone. However... The Eagles did not spread out. So here's what you've got. You've got Allen Robinson isolated on the left side one-on-one, -on -one, and you've got two receivers way up top on the right side, everyone on single coverage. Now, what does that mean? That means there's eight, there's eight Philadelphia Eagles in the box. There are six Chicago Bears blockers in the box. Mitch Trubisky comes up to the line of scrimmage, does not change the play, there's not enough blockers for the Eagles, eight, eight guys in the box. Tariq Cohen goes nowhere. So look, you wanna say that wasn't a great play call in the first place, David Montgomery should have been in there? Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about more eye formation. Let's talk about more JP Holtz as, as a lead blocker, which has, has worked really well. I'm all for criticizing Matt Nagy's decisions, especially when it comes to running the football. I, I try to be objective as I can in this situation, but when you have a quarterback going up to the line of scrimmage, he literally has to count. He has to sit there and go, all right, one, two, three, four, five, six blockers for us, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight defenders for them in the box. We don't have enough guys to block Tariq Cohen running up the middle, period. It's not gonna work. Any quarterback, a high school quarterback, I crap you not, a high school quarterback needs to be able to make that call. This is basic, it's counting. It's kindergarten, it is counting to 10. And Mitch Trubisky didn't do it, called the play. So, so what's going on here? Is Mitch really that terrible at reading a defense and he can't see basic? How do you not change that play and just have Allen Robinson go one-on-one -on -one and throw the ball up and have Allen Robinson win? That's Allen Robinson. That's why he's on this roster. And Mitch isn't going to make a basic change at the line of scrimmage? Is he not allowed to? Is Matt Nagy so terrified that his quarterback cannot make these basic decisions that he says, Mitch, just run the play? I don't know what's going on. No one knows what's going on because they're not in the huddle. They're not, not, not on the sidelines. They're, they're not in the quarterback room. I don't know what's going on, but this cannot continue. You cannot have a quarterback with no ability to see what's going on on the defense and not be able to progress through, through, through a play and, and find the open receiver. I mean, we, we see all the time here the tape with the open receivers that Mitch is either missing completely or that they're, they're wide open. I mean, I saw a play, and I'll give credit to Jack Sobel, Loop Sports. He, he came out with this, and I thought this was interesting. There was a play that was getting a lot of play 
It was either Miller or Gabriel, don't remember. But Mitch, Mitch throws kind of a, a you know, throws it out to the left. It's a terrible throw. It's basically in triple coverage. No one's there. What's more interesting, which is what Jack pointed out, is not the terrible throw, but it's the miss. Ben Broniker is 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 lined up, and he's going to get into the seam. All right, and Mitch does not have any ability to anticipate what's happening in the middle of the field. There's two linebackers, all right? They are not backpedaling. They are not, they're, they're, they're not moving further, further back to cover Broniker. They clearly think there's safety help behind them, but here's the problem. There's no safeties behind them. So when they're stationary and Broniker's in full stride, you as a quarterback need to anticipate that right when he gets past those defenders, he's going to be wide open, wide, wide open. And he was, if you go find the play, I believe Michael Kist has has it on, on his Twitter account. If you find that video, go look for Ben Broniker, who is astonishingly open. But Mitch doesn't see it because Mitch can't anticipate what's going on in a defense. He can't read anything that's going on in a defense. It's beyond frustrating and I'm getting frustrated with people crushing Matt Nagy who yes deserves some criticism and yes there's some holes in the dam right now that, that that they need to fill and they need to write this ship just to make sure that the locker room doesn't spiral out of control a la Mark Tressman I I get all that so I'm not sitting here saying Matt Nagy is not flawed but to sit there and criticize every play call and say well no how can Mitch play in this situation because he has to read the defense he has to be able to make basic decisions at the line of scrimmage. He has to be able to count defenders versus blockers and figure out you know, which side is, I mean, I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated because it's just, you know, it's banging your head against the wall when you try and argue with people about Mitch Trubisky if they're a Trubisky supporter. They're convinced that Matt Nagy has ruined him. Dan Orlovsky's a good, good NFL analyst. He's been on this podcast. I like the guy. He is staunchly defending Mitch Trubisky and putting everything on Matt Nagy. But at the same time, you got a guy like Lewis Riddick, who has been the biggest Trubisky supporter out there in terms of the national NFL coverage. And he loves the Chicago Bears. He loves Matt Nagy. He loves so much going on in Chicago. He's a smart. He's one of the best cerebral analysts in, in, in all of NFL media. He's done with Trubisky. He doesn't see it. He has pulled a 180 and saying it is time to pull the plug and get a new quarterback, new veteran quarterback in here in 2020. I cannot, cannot agree more. I mean, Mitch is playing so poorly that all that NFL MVP nonsense when Mitch had a a really terrible number, so everyone put money on Trubisky to win the MVP because it was a good value. There is a sports book that is refunding the Mitch Trubisky bets, basically as a, you know, look, we know you were, yeah, I understand. Here you go. You might have been a little delusional. Here's your money back. Here's your money back. A sports book feels so bad for the idiots that bet on Mitch Trubisky that they are refunding people's money. That's where we're at. And by the way, his current odds for MVP are equal with Marcus Mariota and Andy Dalton, who, by the way, don't play. So quarterbacks that are on the bench have as good of odds of winning the MVP as one Mitchell Trubisky. Now, the last thing I'm going to say about the quarterback situation here 
is that it's my belief that Chase Daniel needs to play. And, and here's why. And I got a lot of criticism when I tweeted that out because everyone wants to say Mitch Trubisky gives the Bears a better chance to win. Mitch Trubisky is the one who can develop. Chase Daniel is, is not the answer. And I agree. Chase Daniel is not the answer quarterback. Chase Daniel is exactly who the Bears thought he was. He is a backup quarterback. He's a pretty good backup quarterback. He's not going to tank your chances to win a game, but he's certainly not going to help them either. He was brought in to help teach Mitch Trubisky the system and be a capable backup quarterback. And, and that's what he's been. So he's fine. But his contract's up at the end of the year. I assume he's gone at the end of the year. So the Bears need to move on from Chase Daniel. But, but here's the thing. Trubisky's playing so poorly that I think he's bringing down the emotions of the other 52 guys. I think the other 52 guys, not just the wide receivers who are getting frustrated with the balls as terrible as they've been, or the wide receivers who are wide open and Mitch doesn't see them. Not, not just those guys, but the defense who knows that they need to not just stop the opponents, they need to get turnovers and score themselves because the offense can't do it. For the offensive linemen that look terrible because they simply can't block in certain situations because Mitch isn't adjusting the blocking scheme. There's, there's so many things that a quarterback has to do. That's why it's the most important position in all of sports. So many things a quarterback has to do, Mitch doesn't do them. So what happens? The entire team is getting brought down. The entire team is getting brought down. So when you, as a coach, are going to tell 52 guys to bust their ass and go out there and win a football game, and those 52 guys know that the 53rd guy, that QB1, should not be out on the field and is not giving them the opportunity to win games, that is a tough position to put your locker room in. That is a tough, tough position. That's why I think the move needs to be made. Not to see if Chase Daniel can be the guy. He's not. Here's the problem. People want, people want answers at quarterback. Well, you can't get answers at quarterback. The quarterback of the 2020 Chicago Bears is not on the roster. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Marcus Mariota. I don't know if it's going to be Cam Newton. I don't know if it's going to be Alex Smith. There are some veteran options. Please no Andy Dalton. There are some veteran options out there that are going to be out there. But the Bears have to decide what they're going to do. I've been very clear what I think the Bears should do. You want to check in on Cam Newton and see if he, want one, still wants to play, two, is healthy enough to play, and three, you can get him at an affordable rate? Fine, because Cam Newton's going to have the biggest ceiling of anyone, anyone out there. I'm all for Cam Newton, but you got to do your homework on him first. If Cam Newton's not an option, and I don't think Alex Smith's ever going to play again, I don't think he's an option, I want the Bears to cut Trubisky. I'm sorry. Mitch Trubisky cannot be on this roster, in my opinion, because that's toxic. If Mitch Trubisky is QB2 and your QB1 gets hurt and he has to trot out there on that field in a home game, the boos pouring down out there are going to be deafening. Nobody wants to put that, that situation. He's Cody Parkey level toxic right now in my eyes. He should not be on the roster next year. So what I want to see, I want to see Marcus Mariota as QB1. I want to trade for Josh Rosen as QB2. I want to pick up a developmental quarterback in like the sixth round as QB3. Give me three quarterbacks and let me draft a quarterback in 2021 in the first round. That's what I want to see. I want Ryan Pace to go out there and get four quarterbacks in the next two years to try and right this position because there's too much talent everywhere else and it's young and you're going to be able to keep most of it around where you need competent quarterback play. That's what they need to do. This team can compete next year because if they had an average quarterback, an average quarterback right now, 
They might win the Eagles game. They're winning the Chargers game. They're probably winning the Raiders game. Yes, I know it was Chase Daniel, but that was a crippling interception. And yes, he's a backup quarterback. He's not an average quarterback. He's a backup quarterback. They win the Raider game. They win the Packer game. Think about that. You're talking about three or four more wins. Suddenly, this team goes from three and five to seven and one, six and two. They're right in the mix of everything. They're right at the top of the division with average quarterback play. So as bad as this season has been, it's that close to being a good season. So they just need to bring in a veteran who can read a defense, make basic decisions, proper basic decisions, and execute Matt Nagy's offense. That's what they need to do next season. All right, I've babbled enough. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. This is Bears Banter. We are going to come back on the other side with Patrick Manley. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back to Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman with you. And here we are with our guest. He is none other than Patrick Manley, long Long-time Chicago Bear, 16-year Chicago Bear, I believe, and the host of the pregame show on 670, The Score, at Patrick Manley on Twitter. He joins us now. Patrick, Bill Zimmerman, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Really appreciate you jumping on. we got plenty to get to, so let's just jump right into it. And let's start. Look, we got plenty to do with, with the Eagles and where the Bears are now, but be, being your expertise in, in special teams, i gotta, I got to rewind just one week and just get, give me your take on, on Hashmarkgate with this whole thing, with the decisions <laughs> at the end of the Chargers game and everything everything the Bears did. So, so why don't you jump in on that first? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what happened. I wish I did, but I'll just give you – uh, details into the situation when I played and how it normally played out. So when you get going, the offense is going down to potentially score a game winner or even something at the half. The assistant special teams coach will normally come, normally come over to the kicker and say, which hash do you want it on? And then you'll go over to the, uh, the head special teams coach and then he'll turn to the head coach and tell him. And then a lot of times in pregame, depending on where you're playing, a soldier feels different because the wind can swirl that decision might already be made in pregame. So you'll know if you're going to the north end zone, we want the right hash for a game winner. If we're going to the south end zone, we want whatever hash for the game winner. So normally that's predetermined. And if not, it'll be, like I said, it'll happen at the end of the game. That's the communication process that happens. So I don't know exactly how their communication problem worked out or did not work out. Um, But normally it is predetermined which hash you want it on when you get a situation like that, where you can dictate which hash you want it on. So, I think maybe they were covering for each other, that there might have been a lack of communication, and that's why the uh, press conferences came out the way they did, that they really never answered it. Um, but that, that's the normal situation that happens um, with those scenarios in a game. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's hash gate or hash mark gate. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I just, I just saw, you know, it's, it, it, some, some people put it out like that way on Twitter, and I think it really got fueled by the fact that when, when Eddie Pinheiro just said, well, yeah, I guess I'd rather would have had it on, on the other hash, hash mark, and that, that's, I think, what really fueled it. Because sure. before it was just speculation, and now you got your kicker confirming it. You could tell after he said it, he, didn't, he, he, he realized he shouldn't have said it. But 
So well, you to go back to go back to that real quick. You know, Eddie Pinero on Tuesday, open locker room day. Uh, in my old school opinion, rookies really shouldn't talk or give too much details about what's going on in the game because they just haven't been in that situation or the kind of a locker room scrum with the media. And then to uh, second that point, the PR department for the Bears kind of bungled that as well. They should have been there and let Eddie know that, hey, you're going to be part of a scrum today because of that situation. You know, you miss the kick and then, you know, coaches get catching some heat about, you know, taking a knee. He should have been set up by the PR department. That's kind of their job as well. You know, they set up uh, Mitch Trubisky every, what does he talk, every Wednesday. Um, you know, they'll, they'll go through the hot topics with him. And that should have been done by the PR department as well to help the young kid out. Yeah, that's a that's a, ver- a very fair point. So since we're on special teams, let let me get your take on the special teams unit as a whole, because I mean I mean over the course of this year we've seen we've seen block punts, we've seen some poor punt coverage. Obviously, we got the hash mark gate here. We we've got situations like KPL with the with taking the bad penalty that may have cost them the, a win against the Raiders. It seems like there's been a lot of. Look, there's issues all over the field. I'm not trying to sit there and say this special teams is the reason for a three and five record, but it seems like special teams is not really as cohesive as it should be. Um, those are big mistakes. There's no doubt about it. Block punts are uh, special teams coaches' nightmare. You hate to hear that thud, um, and they've got a couple of them, and it happened in one game. You know, uh, Coach Rizzi dialed up some nice uh, rushes against them and beat them. And that's just that that can't happen. That's you know that's game prep. That's that's tape prep. That's weekly prep. Um, and it, it kind of comes down to players on that one where, uh, you know, you've got to execute what you're asked to do on the punt block, you know, as, as a front line for a punt team, and they didn't do that. But they also have a really good returner in Tariq Cohen, who I think is leading the NFL in punt return yards and punt return average. And then you also have Cordero Patterson, who was doing a very nice job as a kick returner, uh, has a touchdown, you know, this year. But there are some issues that have, that have happened. But overall, I, I think they kind of balance each other out with the punt blocks, uh, with the, the unfortunate penalty that KPL you talked about against Denver had. Um, but the returns have been great, and that's, that's big for them. And it's going to be bigger for them going forward when the weather continues to turn here in Chicago where the kickoffs are going to be shorter and Cordero Patterson won't be bringing it out from five yards deep. He'll bring it out from, you know, one yard out of the end zone or on the end zone line. Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. So let's let's get off special teams and, and move on to kind of the, the unit overall. And, and let's let's start offensively. Tough to ignore the issues offensively with that first half against the Eagles. And and I guess I'll, I'll jump in with, with this right here. And and you probably don't have an answer because I don't think anyone really has an answer in the whole chicken egg argument in terms of what's the bigger issue here: Matt Nagy and, and maybe some play calling issues, or Mitch Trubisky and, and the quarterback play. So look, I. I'm not saying it's 100% exclusive one way or the other, but what do you think is the bigger issue right now for the offense? The offensive line. <laughs> Honestly, right. you know, just last week, you look at that game, uh, the offensive line really struggled against a good defensive line in Philly, and that does not help Mitch. A young quarterback needs a healthy pocket, and he's not getting that right now. Um, but you're right, both, both, is- both of them are issues. Play calling doesn't seem like it's helping Mitch out at all either. And then Mitch, when he does have time or an open receiver, doesn't seem like he hits him all the time. And it's that's the biggest issue. You don't have a first half like they did last week without issues all across the field and play calling included. So it's just it's a mess right now. I don't know what they can do to fix it exactly. I mean, I have my ideas of moving Mitch out of the pocket. That also helps the O-line in protection instead of just having them line up and 
you know, Mitch sitting five or six yards behind him, move him out of the pocket. That helps the O-line with, you know, sprint outs. So you don't have to really hold your block or do your traditional, you know, pocket pass blocking. Um, I would like to see some of that. And as we know, Mitch, Mitch throws the ball well on the run and then also is a darn good runner. So if he gets out of the pocket and the guy's not open, just pull it down and get a couple extra yards. Yeah, and, and I think those those are very fair points and, and things that Matt Nagy needs to try. But you brought up the offensive line, so so let me ask you something about, about the offensive line because saw an argument develop on Twitter, and Olin Krutz was on one side, and Jeff Schwartz and, and TJ Lang, uh, you know, former offensive lineman, now now media guys were on the other side, and that was there's uh, Daniel Jeremiah uh, queued up a specific play against the Eagles where the Eagles basically heavily loaded the left side of, of, of the of the Bears offense and, and left Fletcher Cox isolated. On, on, on the right side, and the argument was basically, and they took a, Mitch took a sack because there wasn't enough blocking on the left side, and James Daniels didn't block anybody. So right. the argument becomes, you know, whose job was it to adjust offensive line scheme? And Crutz is putting that on the offensive line, but I saw, see Schwartz and T.J. Lang saying, you know, the you know the center's set, you know, Daniels can't can't see that at that point when when the defense adjusts. That's something Trubisky. Needs needs to be able to recognize and change at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I know the offensive line is struggling, but is, is there some p- problems with calls, whether it maybe be offensive line or quarterback? Um, I, I do think there is for sure. They're not setting the, you know, it goes to the center. Well, when Olin, I played with Olin for many years and he was great and just unbelievable watching tape and, and being prepared for what's going to happen in the game. And he would set the protection as far as the call would come in in the huddle but he would walk up the line. He would set the protection of, of saying whoever the mic is, the, the, the main guy you're going to set your protection off of. I think James Daniels is struggling with that a little bit. But I'm not giving you a real answer here because the quarterback can help as well. He should know the coverages and the protection and should be able to help um, James Daniels out as well. So it's on both guys, really. But I put it on just from what I've seen with Casey Wigman. I played with him as well. He was uh, you know went on to play forever with Kansas City. They took pride in themselves that they would set the protections. The centers would set the protections. That's their number one job, and really their only job, where a quarterback has to know all of, all other ten positions. So, I'm there with Olin that it's that it's on the center. All right, and and you, you know you brought up Mitch and and trying to have him out of the pocket more and run a little bit. And the one thing we we've definitely seen is that Trubisky's running is way down, and it's way down. Actually, if you dip, go back to last year, after that he came back from the Harrison Smith injury, he cut back, and now this year he's cut back even more. Now, a lot of people say that's Nagy, and Nagy has said that he wants him to stay in the pocket more. Now. You know, it's a tough, tough thing to read. You know, I, I saw on Sunday Night Football Lamar Jackson six out of seven passes he's doing from the pocket. So, a, a mo, as mobile as he is, he's still trying to stay in the pocket, which, in my opinion, is what Nagy's trying to tell Mitch to do: stay in the pocket more, but still use your legs. Other people think that Nagy is telling Mitch do not run unless you absolutely have to, and 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 that's why there's so much of a decrease in running, which we know obviously is a critical part of Mitch's success is being able to keep the defense off balance with his legs. So do you think this is more maybe, I know, a tough, another tough one for you to try and <laughs> figure out. Is this more, do you think, Nagy telling him to, to not take off or Mitch not taking off, whether he's afraid of getting hurt or just is trying to stay in the pocket and focus on passing? I think it's Coach Nagy. I really do. I think he's trying to drill into him to you know keep your eyes up, work on your eye discipline, you know, and when he was younger and running, his eyes would come down when he felt the pocket collapse and he would take off. And I truly think he's trying to drill into him to be a better pocket passer. But 
he needs to also let the kid be free. Let him play football and use his legs when, when he can because he is a great athlete, is a very good runner, um, and try to let him be as natural as possible. But I do think it is Nagy. I think he's just, you know, trying to make him the best, quote-unquote, quarterback he can, you know, pocket quarterback. But that's that's hurting Mitch and that's hurting the offense. A couple more with Patrick Manley here. And, and let, me, let me ask you this because – over your years with the Bears, you saw a lot of variety of, of success with, with, with the organization, with, with elite Super Bowl teams and with teams, teams that really struggled, especially offensively, revolving door of quarterbacks at times. So let, let me ask you this, because the defense is a bit of an anomaly, and the defense is still very good, but the defense isn't quite playing at that level that we were hoping for a repeat performance from last year. To me... I'm, I'm starting to wonder how much of this might be a little bit of mental, a little bit emotional, a little bit of maybe maybe a dejection with a lot of three and outs on the offensive side of the ball and the defense feeling like they have to shoulder the load for everything. Is, is that something that a unit can feel when maybe there's some frustration going on on the other side of the ball? Obviously, they're not going to speak publicly about it, but is, is that something that can happen? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I kind of saw it during my tenure, like you talked about. We had such a dominating defense for many years. And really struggled on offense and they took pride in saying, Hey, we can win the game. You know, we, we were very good at taking the ball away and scoring just like the bears were last year. And that, that helped lead to that 12 and four season. And uh, you know, it's, it's a unit that, that rallies around itself. Like I'm sure an offense, you know, in Detroit, you look at Detroit, their offense is playing great. Their numbers are kind of the complete opposite of the bears between their offense and defense and the Bears defense and offense that their offense is putting up points, but their defense can't stop them. But yeah, I think units come together and say, all right, we can win this game. And, and I saw that with the old Bears teams I played on. And, I, and I, I can I can pretty much guarantee that's happening in the Bears locker room now, but it's really not a bad thing. It's more of a, you know, a belief and, and you want to help the team win because you know your unit's pretty darn good. Now, now, now let me ask you this because – Look, we, we know the quarterback Mitch Trubisky can be. We, we saw it a lot last year. But we also know the quarterback that Mitch Trubisky currently is, whether he's inside his head, whatever's going on, there's, there's obviously a lot of issues with, with how he's playing. Now, I'm not saying Chase Daniel is, is the answer at all, but kind of talking about how the, the locker room might be a little, little frustrated and Nagy still got to sit there and tell 52 guys, don't worry about QB1, you guys do your job, bust your ass, and we'll win games. Is it worth considering a move to Daniel just to tell the rest of the team, hey, we're going to see if this works and see if this puts us in a better position to win games? Yeah, that's a tough one because you are in a situation now where the Bears are with their win-loss record that you're getting you you're out of the playoff run. I mean, you you know, technically you're not, but uh, you are, and you're at a point where you need to evaluate your roster to get ready for next year. And like you said, that is tough when you have guys in positions that are not producing, and you know, you're another guy on a team, and you're looking at maybe Adam Shaheen or Mitch Trubisky or guys like that that just aren't doing their job well enough or what was expected. That can be tough, but again, you got to look at the way Ryan Pace and and Matt Nagy are going about it. That they have to evaluate Mitch Trubisky and figure out is he worth the fifth year option? Is he worth you know trying to get better for next year season? Who do we bring in to compete with him? How do we go about this? So um, there's two ways to look at it inside the locker room. You want guys to be held accountable and play better, and then if they're not playing well, you should bench them and find the next guy. But from the upstairs, the part of the personnel and the coaches. 
they've got to do their job to figure out, you know, if Mitch is the future. And you just made me think of one when you, when you brought up Adam Shaheen, the, the tight end unit as, as a whole. J.P. Holtz has is, is probably been the top tight end with what he's been able to bring on the field. This this out of out of all the groups, I mean, Mitch aside, because that's one individual of all the position groups is, is tight end the most disappointing of the year. Uh, 100%, you know, and it's getting worse. That's, that's, what's bad. Adam Shaheen has not gotten any better <laughs> since, you know, he's got here. It's, he's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because they don't have a blocking tight end and he's big enough to be a blocker and he's just not getting it done. Uh, he's not using his size and athletic, or, you know, athletic ability to get open. Um, it's, he's a disappointment. He's one that I look at if I'm in that locker room, wondering why is he still playing when he's not helping? You've got two other guys on the practice squad at, at, at that position that I think deserve a chance. You're getting nothing out of that position. Why not grab one of those guys, bring them up, and see if they can do something uh, to help the team out? And you were talking about special teams earlier. Adam Shaheen doesn't help on special teams. And we saw last week he didn't help at all. He booted the ball on the on a bloop kick that he should have realized was a bloop when the kickers only lined up three yards behind the ball. And they practice that situation, I know, you know, that uh, it's it's a situational part of the game where you know it's going to be a bloop kick. And I'm just, you know, he's not playing well. And then to continue on to that is Trey Burton. I, how healthy is he? That's the question. And it doesn't look like he's healthy at all. He doesn't look like he has the burst he had to, to get in and out of breaks. Or even when he catches the ball, it doesn't look like he has the speed to get a couple extra yards. And, you know, he's not a blocking tight end at all. So that position is, is truly struggling and it's hurting the run game as well. You know, when, when he got both those guys in, there was a run last week where they ran at Adam Shaheen and he got ragdolled and they, you know, had a two or three yard loss. And you expect a guy that's, you know, that big to be able to hold his own or just kind of position block a little bit. And he's not doing it in the run game. Hundred percent agree with everything you said. It, it is remarkable that a guy they picked up off the Washington Redskins scrap heap of all teams is has, has become their best right. tight end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so last one for you here. The the rest of the season here, like you said, playoff pictures over. I mean, they'd have to go seven and one or eight and zero just to be in the mix here at the end of the season. So how, how do you see this playing out? Is this a team is nagging? We going to be able to keep them hanging around competitive five hundred, or could you see this thing kind of bottoming out in the six and ten? five and 11 kind of year this is one i'm really interested to follow because they had a lot of success last year with a lot of young guys and a lot of young guys have not been in this position where uh you know it's tough to go into hallis hall on wednesday thursday friday and prepare because you know you're out of it i'm interested to see how these young guys you know react to this how do they deal with adversity can they come out and get a couple wins going into to next season one thing Lovey Smith did for us, which I thought was great, uh, and some people think it's crazy and they, you know, I don't believe momentum rolls into the next year, but he knew we had a core of guys that you know really cared about the team. And when we were out of it, he would turn the clock to the next year and say, all right, guys, let's get, our, you know, get going for next season. Let's, let's put some together uh, some wins for 2020. You know, and that kind of worked for us mentally, at least it did for me. Um, and we'll see how Matt Nagy deals with this as well with these young guys, but I just – I hope we don't see finger pointing. I hope we don't see name calling. I hope it actually helps the team come together a little bit. And you can use that. If it does, you can use that for, you know, a little character building for next season. All right. There he is at Patrick Manley on Twitter. That was a, a fantastic interview, Patrick. Thanks so much for jumping on. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Great talking to you. All right. There he is. Patrick Manley score bears pregame host. You, you hear him all over the place and does a great job there. Really thought he was really 
on point there with special teams. Obviously, that's his expertise. But you know, hearing about how things happen there with Hashmarkgate, talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the special teams unit, and and I, I think what's also interesting is the amount of varying opinions from experts about this Bears offense and and the chicken and egg issue between Matt Nagy offensive line. Hey, Patrick Manley, offensive line is a huge problem, and it definitely has not been nearly as strong as it was last year. But again, I find it fascinating. Olin Krutz on one side, Schwartz and Lang on the other side, Lewis Riddick on one side, Orlovsky and Rosenfeld on the other. I have never seen as many experts disagree about the problems that a team is having than I'm seeing with the Chicago Bears. For the most part, you're always going to have outliers, but for the most part, analysts see the same tape. You know, they, they break it down the same way. They see issues roughly the same. So 75, 80, 90% of the time, everyone's opinions kind of line up, if, if you notice, in, in the national media landscape. But when you see people talking about the Bears, they're all over the map. Nagy's not keeping the locker room together. Nagy's play calling, Trubisky's play, the offensive line play, the defense. It's Pagano and it's, it, and Vic Fangio's not there. It's 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 regression. It's you know like I I think it is the the emotional issue, the the problem with the defense of just knowing the offense is going nowhere. There's so many different angles as to why this Bears team is having problems. One, it makes you concerned that. Maybe these are all major problems and they're not all going to be corrected by the start of the 2020 season. But it also gives you some hope because you sit there and say, all right, if you can get Nagy's play calling a little better and maybe improve that run game with him and, and let him figure that out a little bit and you get better quarterback play, well, that's going to elevate the defense if the defense is having problems trusting the offense. There's there's so many things. It's, it's so cyclical. You know, it's such a trickle down thing about how these everything comes together with these football teams that it's really honestly fascinating with how Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are going to keep this team together this season and move forward next season and put this team back in a position to win the division in 2020 because honestly like I said these losses are close enough that the Bears are not as bad as their record the Bears are still close the problem is in my opinion the quarterback has regressed so far and yes there are. I'm not putting 100% of that regression on Mitch. There are other factors that have come in here that things were not as ideal as they were in 2018 for him. 2019 has been a little tougher, and it's really crashed down on his shoulders. So I'm not putting all of it on Mitch, but I'm putting enough of it on Mitch to know that one, they should not pick up the fifth-year option, and two, he should not be starting for this quarter for this team at quarterback in 2020 at all. And like I said, I'd like to see him off the roster. I think that's the best move for this team moving forward, and I like Mitch Trubisky. Let me just say that before I sign off. I genuinely like Mitch Trubisky. I had a lot of hope for him. He's been on this podcast three times. Three. No one's been on this podcast four times. There has not been. Doesn't matter if it's if it's a blogger, if it's a beat writer, or if it's the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. No one has been on this podcast more than Mitch Trubisky. He is a good guy. I cheer for him. I want even now. I want Mitch Trubisky to go out there and throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns against the Lions. I want this guy to succeed. I don't think this guy's going to succeed. It's a big difference. I want Mitch Trubisky to get a fresh start, move on next year, and in 3, 4, 5 years after sitting on the bench and being a QB2 for a team, he gets an opportunity and really grows into it and has a late career 
boom, like Rich Gannon, like Alex Smith. I really hope that for Mitch Trubisky. The guy works hard. He's a good guy. Everyone at Hallis Hall, from the general manager and owner to the janitor, love that guy. They love that guy. Everyone wants to see him succeed. But wanting and happening are two different things. And it's, it's tough for Bears fans, for the Bears organization, for everyone around this team to see Mitch struggling as bad as he is. But he is. And that's the reality of the situation. So, look, they, they have to make a change. As much as everyone wants Mitch to succeed, they have to make a change. And that's where we are now. I would make the move to Daniel now, like I said, to make it fair to the other 52 guys. But like Patrick Manley said, and look, I understand the situation they're in. You got to keep trotting Mitch out there, according to Patrick, and make sure 100% he is not the guy, or maybe he can turn it around and still do it. Look, I, I get it. I get everything going on with Trubisky. So that's going to do it for Bears banter. Detroit Lions coming up. I actually think the Bears are going to win this game. I don't know why, because I have had no faith in this team in the last few weeks. I just think it's going to be one of those weird 13 to 12, 16 to 14 type games. And somehow, because the Lions, look, the Lions are sometimes in some ways are as much of a mess as the Bears. Maybe the Bears with, with the home field advantage can squeak out a victory. Now, they're going to have to get a lead early. Otherwise, the Boo Birds are going to come back out, and that has not gone well for the Bears. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. We will talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Adios.